can be seated. I'm not sure when I had this conversation with my older brother, but he knew about six to eight months before his departure that he was going to die. He had cancer, lung cancer. And I remember walking him through what to expect. He was baptized about six or seven years before that. He'd smoked for about 45 years. He quit, but not soon enough. And um, he was afraid. There was fear of dying. He was not deep in his faith. He didn't. He wasn't much of a reader, and so he didn't really grow a lot in his faith. But he got baptized, and he called me up, and he goes, "Well, I did it, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I got baptized." <laughs> And my sister from Alabama uh, made it up, but somehow I didn't know soon enough or he thought I was too busy to attend. But nevertheless, the conversation I had with him was, and I don't know this to be exactly 100% right like this, but I think it's something like this, and I'd like you to consider it. Consider leaving your body and your spirit flies away and you go through a, a dark space between heaven and earth and you enter into the third heaven for the first time and you're being escorted by an angel and you're going to see the Lord and you're going to enter into, the, into, into that state of heaven for the very first time. How do you want, you know, how do you want to go? Are you going to be excited or you want to be afraid? Right? You want to be excited. You, want to, you don't want to be ashamed at his coming. And so I kind of walked that through with him and said, you know, your, your body's going to stay here and, you and the angels are going to escort you. You have nothing to worry about. You have Jesus' blood covering you. And I don't know what's going to happen after that, but it's going to be awesome and you're not going to regret it. <laughs> and I hope that encouraged him because I never... Um, I saw him a couple <laughs> weeks before he, he left. Uh, and um, it was really interesting his some of his last words were as he was with his wife and he had been suffering quite hard it was hard it was it was rough the last few he all that was shaken off and he looked at his wife he said are you going to be okay are you going to be okay and she says i'll be okay i'll be fine and that was it to be that other centered the Spirit of God is what does that. You know, I just, it just bless my heart that he would have that thought for her. Not that he was dying in agony, but his thought for her. And um, I just thought I'd share that because I think it's important. What we're reading tonight happened. But what's being, what we're reading through tonight, all the things that, that Jose is saying have not happened. He ministered to this northern, uh, northern ten tribes for over 40 years. And how many of these prophecies, I don't think they were all delivered in the first six months of his ministry. <laughs> I mean, this was over a period of time. So we sort of get this constant, wow, another chapter. <laughs> we, we read it as another chapter, but it's this scroll, right? More, more of the same. And the best thing that I could come up with in regards to 
looking at this is, is, is there's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Sin nature is sin nature. People do this. I don't, doesn't matter what ethnic group you're from, what nation you're from, what traditions you might have within that nation, the religion that's, you know, there. Human nature is human nature, and we do a lot of the dumb things that other people do. Like, like we're different than everybody else. We're not going to be like our forefathers. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's why they say history repeats itself. Because we don't, you know, one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. <laughs> So we're going to go through 8 and 9 here, and we'll go at a fairly decent clip because it's of the material itself. But he begins here, and it's the apostasy of Israel. They have left the truth. They have turned away their hearts from God. And so the Lord says to his servant, Hosea, set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From the silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How long until they attain in to innocence? For from Israel is even this, a workman made it, and it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. So sound the alarm. You think we ought to be sounding the alarm in our country? <laughs> think we ought to be sounding alarm around the world? You know, when the Lord starts, when the Lord sends his angels and they begin to swing their sword, there is no staying his hand. Judgment is going to come, and he said it's coming like an eagle. Do you ever think about an eagle? They can see a rabbit in the covering of their movements two miles away. They have 25, 25 vision, humans without glasses. Should be perfect vision is twenty twenty. Theirs is twenty slash five. Four to eight times stronger is their vision than human vision. When they fly down upon their prey, they can reach up to eighty to ninety miles an hour. Some say a hundred, and they come and it's rel that relentless pace, and they take out their stuff, and they immediately knock it out, and it's it's dead. You know, as soon as they hit it, and then they. Swing back around and pick it up and away they go. Sometimes they take it on their way out. Not always. It's just, the point is, the eagle is, un, they have no idea that it's coming. It's coming, but they can't see it. They don't realize. And, and this is the thing about, a lot of times, God's judgment is swift. Think about a tornado. I mean, it comes in the middle of the night and it's, it's there and it's, it's upon people. Hurricanes, we can kind of see them with modern technology. But think about some of the windstorms that pop up or, or thunderstorms that pop up. And mostly, I'm from the Midwest, we would get those, oh, as a kid, they would just come like, wow, where'd that come from? This is much faster, much quicker. The judgment's coming like an eagle against the house of the Lord. So why? 
He reveals their sin. God doesn't punish people because he because they don't deserve it. Everybody gets what they deserve. That's one thing about Judgment Day. Everybody that gets judged is going to be judged perfectly and righteously. Nobody's going to be chastised more than than above what was required. And everybody will be rewarded accordingly. And this and God is is equitable. He's fair because he's good. Verse 1 says they, the first thing they did was they transgressed his covenant. Here's the deal. Here's the agreement. I love you. I care so much for you. I'm watching over you. I'm going to do everything in my power, which is unlimited, to give you the best possible life you could ever have. I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm going to plant you in this land that flows with milk and honey. You're going to be so blessed. The fruit's so big it takes two guys to carry a, a, a clump of grapes from house to from the house to their, from the garden to your house. They're just huge. I'm going to bless you in every way. I'll bless your offspring. I'll bless your, your crops. I'm going to bless your cattle and your livestock. I've got great things in store for you. And here's the agreement. Worship me and love me with that same kind of love. And all will be well. That's the covenant in simple words. That's the agreement. What did they do? No. We can't see you with our eyes, so we're just going to do our own thing. That's one thing about human nature. We don't like and we don't appreciate the idea of walking by faith. But how many times does God have to say something for it to be true? Right? Just one time. So if God has said it in his word and that it's going to happen, it's just a matter of time. If God has spoken to you a word that you have, a, a, you have something that he's written in your DNA and in your heart that this is something that's going to happen in your life because he does do that. He does speak. He does, as the Bible says, I will show you things to come. That, that you, when it comes to pass, you may know and you may believe. Those kinds of things, God speaks to our hearts and they come to pass. We're like, yes and amen. It strengthens our faith. It's so important that we understand that and receive that. Another thing, and there's a list here. It's just it's more than a laundry list. It's just it's just bad. They rejected the good. They rejected all the blessings that God was putting upon them. Now remember, at the beginning of this time, this is Jeroboam two, a time of prosperity. Jonah predicted they would expand their borders. Assyria, at the beginning of his ministry, Assyria sort of got into some other issues and they were not the world power, and they were not ready to invade Israel and take them over at, at the beginning. But they began to grow in strength. They settled their issues with the other countries around and they began to assemble their troops and they, they regained their economic feet and they, they became strong. And by this time, they're going to be the instrument that God uses. They're going to be the eagle that comes down upon the prey. Another thing that Israel uh, did is they set up leadership on their own accord, not with God. Now, how does that, that come home to us? It's so easy for us to want our autonomy. We want to do what we want to do. We want to live independent from God, and that's the opposite of what we should be doing. You know, when it comes to church life, unless the Lord build the house, well, it's true of your own personal life. I always say this, if it doesn't work in your personal life, spiritual things like we're talking about here, if it doesn't work in your personal life, it's not going to work in the church. I remember being part of a church one time and they decided that they would get this parachurch organization to come in and help them form uh, their core values and their, and their 
vision? How do you see uh, your ministry in 10 years from now? Oh, okay, well, let's see. Ooh, um, we want, right? This is the first words out of the group, the leaderships. We want. Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, let's, what are your core values? Blah, 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 blah. And they're always usually pretty biblical. But now let's take the next step and let's start backtracking. How do we get there in 10 years? Well, we start here, then we go here, here, here. And by this time, then that will get us there. So they asked me what I thought. That didn't go over so well, I don't think. I handed one of the leaders a blank notebook. And I said, what's going to happen in the next five years in your life? What's your goals for the next five years of your life? Well, I'm just trusting the Lord. So if I said this whole thing that we're doing here is projecting, we're putting this on God, what, what we want. We don't even do that in our own personal lives. How many people do that in our own personal lives? If it doesn't work in your personal life. Why would I put it upon the Why would I want to put that upon the church and spend $50,000 to, to get that information? It's an interesting parachurch organization, to say the least. So they set up leadership of their own accord. You know, and that's what, you know, obviously that's what Jeroboam uh, did. You know, he didn't, he just took commoners and whoever wanted, hey, you want to be, be a priest? Raise your hand. Okay, you, 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 you. And you, you know, anybody that respected him, I'll put you in a position of leadership. Did God anoint them? Did God call them? Was that God's plan for Israel? None of it was. Nothing, you realize that there was no godly king ever that sat upon the throne of the ten northern tribes. They were all wicked because they were worshiping a false god the whole time. They made, in verse 4, they erected these idols in their own making. They made, and these altars were altars of sin. They were not worshiping and offering sacrifice to Yahweh. They were offering sacrifices to demons. Paul makes that clear in, in Corinthians. When he wrote to the Corinthians, there, there's a demon behind these idols, right? And so verse 12 said, they failed to receive. We, we didn't read that yet, so let's read the next section here, the next paragraph. They sow to the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stock has no bud. It shall never produce meal. And if, you should produce, if it should produce, aliens would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the Gentiles, like a vessel in which is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey alone by itself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Yes, though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they will sorrow a little because of the burden of the king of the princes. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, for they have become for him altars of sinning. And I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. For the sacrifices of offerings, they sacrifice the flesh and eat it. But the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins, and they shall return to Egypt. For Israel has forgotten his maker. 
and has built temples. Judah has multiplied fortified cities, but I will send fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces. So Judah's not free. It's starting to creep in. You know, Hosea's ministry is right there at the border between Ephraim is referred to as Israel, but Ephraim is there near Judah and Benjamin. They're the, they're the southernmost of the northern tribes. And so he, he's actually contemporary with Isaiah and a few other guys, as I had mentioned there, during those, uh, the reigns of, of these kings. But he goes on to say, you know, reveal their sin to them. Verse 12, they, they failed to receive the law, uh, the covenant of loyal love. They, they, they were so, it was so foreign to them, they considered it a strange thing. How many people that go to church consider the Bible a strange book? I don't, when I try to read the Bible, I don't get anything out of it. It's a strange. They're a stranger to it. I have this little thing when I go down the road and I hook up my little audio book on the, on the, you know, to the truck and I can hear this. How about a word from my sponsor? <laughs> I say that to myself. Now I say it to you. You know, how about a word from my sponsor? You know, I just want to hear the word of God because you know, this is what worship is about. It is as you begin to take in the word of God, you begin to think along the lines of goodness, the way God thinks. You be, it makes you other-centered. It causes you to pray. It causes you to think about your brothers and sisters. It causes you to face the reality of who you are. Now, contrary-wise, if you're sitting in front of the, the, of the TV and you're watching what Hollywood's putting out, what are you thinking about? Or what do they want you to think about, rather? Well, things of the flesh. See, and most of that's just not good. It's bad. But Satan wants us to think on those terms of the flesh so that he can entice us and tempt us. And God says, I want you to be in the Word so that you begin to think like I think. And you'd be free from that kind of stuff because that's where your battle lies. I mean, it's just the word, you know, it just makes all kinds of sense when you put it in that kind of framework, doesn't it? The, the issue, the bottom line is verse 14, they forgot God. We are warned in the scriptures not to forget God. They forgot their maker. Instead, they built palaces and multiplied. For United States, we're, we think we've got the best military. We probably do. We think we've got the best, you know, protected grid. We've got computers that can, we've got surveillance. We've got drones. <laughs> All this technology and, you know, they, they might as well, we might as well be saying we've built palaces, we've built fortresses. And so the problem with us and all the while we're going to church, but we've forgotten God. We're a religious country, and that's sad. We have a religious country, but we don't really have a relationship with God, generally speaking, as a nation anymore. It's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Think about what happened on 9-11 when you know, a judgment struck, so to speak, or whatever happened there. We've got senators and congressmen singing the old hymns on the capital steps, right? All of a sudden, they got religious or begin to express it. Why weren't they doing it beforehand, right?
And what's really sad is that Israel will cry to me, verse 2. I'm back a little here. There's going to be a response to all this sin that they've committed. They'll cry to me. We know you. We're all Christians. We all fear God. How many people are going to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment? Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them. Now this is Jesus saying this. I will. Who's the son of all judgment has been committed to the son of man. I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I, you had, I had no personal relationship with you. You who practice lawlessness. You know, there's people that read the Bible and it doesn't, it goes in one ear and out the other. It doesn't penetrate their heart. What a, at all. And they, they, it just doesn't mean much to them. It's like the guy who, who eats food and it gets, goes into his stomach and it goes through his gastrointestinal tract and the whole, and on, on the, all the way through. But it doesn't absorb through the cells. It's malabsorption. And normally when that happens, is there's some kind of disease involved uh, that keeps the cells from opening up to receive the nutrients that have been broken down within the stomach. It's like the person who reads the Bible and doesn't receive the spiritual nutrients there. It has no way of getting into the cells. It has no way of getting into the heart, the spiritual inner man of that person. They refuse to open themselves up. It goes in one ear and out the other. It does no good whatsoever because their hearts are hardened because of sin. The natural man has, has a diseased nature. It's called a sin nature. It's sad. That truth will never, until that heart is opened, until there's a desire to receive it, None of the goodness that's in the Bible, none of the Bible will ever make any sense to them. And that's so sad. You and I who love the Word, who love the Lord, when we open the Bible and begin to read, it's like honey to the taste. It's sweet. It's beautiful. And yes, we get convicted by it, but it's more than that. The joy and the peace of having that relationship with the Lord that I can truly cast my cares upon Him. And know that he hears everything. He's ordering my steps. He's taking care of my schedule. He's taking care of where I go, what I do, how I do, whatever I do. He's involved. There's no greater joy than to have that happening in your life. And so he rejects them. As we've read there in verse 5, your calf is rejected. I'm not receiving this from you. You've, in fact, you've made me angry. He says, you've aroused my anger. You're unable to achieve innocence. There's no way for them to go to church, so to speak, and have their sins forgiven. So what does that mean? There's no atonement. That means you're carrying the guilt. 
And yet they make these idols. Hey, I always think about this an idolatry and Moses coming down from the mountain. That's an interesting story, by the way. Comes down from the mountain. He's so angry. He breaks the, the table, the tablets. Ah! Lost his cool. What does he do? He's so mad. He takes that idol. And he grinds it up into powder and he throws it in the water and says, Drink it! <laughs> He's really mad. And I find it interesting. If you really pay attention to this, an interesting story. Moses broke the tablets. That who made those tablets? Yeah, he 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 put the tablets together, and then he he wrote on them. And then and then what Moses have to do after this whole thing went down and it's over, and he has to go back up to the mountain. You make two tablets. You do it this time. I did it the first time. You do it. This, okay. So I don't think you know. It's like. You could have you could have you could have laid them down, <laughs> you know. Just saying. I don't want to be breaking any of the tablets. Israel's harvest. You sow to the wind. You're going to reap the whirlwind. And this is so true. And this is what people don't understand. That don't read the Bible and understand it and absorb it. They've got a spiritual malabsorption problem. You keep sowing to the flesh. You think you can, it's, oh, well, this little sin's not going to hurt. Oh, really? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, right? We've gone through this a few times. Whenever you sow something, you always get more back in the harvest, and the same is true with sin. It's going to be rough and destructive when it hits. And he talks about, It'll never produce meal. There's no stalk in the bud. They'll never produce meal. Verse 7. They're going to suffer deprivation. They're, in these first few years of his ministry, they prospered. But I think in the last few years, they begin to suffer deprivation terribly. Israel suffered terribly. When the Assyrians began to invade, took some of them captive. And I actually think this may be, and I've always thought this about Jonah. I, I think one of the reasons why he didn't want to go to Nineveh is because these guys had invaded his country and probably assaulted and probably possibly even killed some of his relatives or took some of his relatives captive. And so he's thinking, you know, God gives him this mission because he knows Yahweh. If he, if he, if he preaches, they're going to hear and there's a possibility they might repent. And I don't want them to repent because if they don't repent, then God will kill them. Great. I'm just going to go to Tarsus. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way with the Lord, does it? And that's a story of, well, I'm not going to get too far off the beaten path here, but that's a story of God, what he does to bring a, his prophet back into fellowship with himself. He was angry with God. He didn't agree with God's calling or God's choice to do what he wanted to do because he was, I think there was bitterness because anger is usually a fruit of bitterness. There's an offense there. Something happened or he would have not, resisted going there initially but try not to read more into it than it's there because we don't have any way of verifying that but just again human nature is what it is verse 8 said they would be scattered among the nations they would they would bring they would have no pleasure anymore they would become an isolated people that's what happened to Israel and even to this day they're scattered and God's 
you know, the, the Judah, uh, they're going to get, they're come up and, and not too many, 150 years later, they're going to be toast and they're going to Babylon and then that remnant comes back and then they, Rome comes in 70 AD and wipes that out and they're scattered again. And that remains until this day. So we have uh, an isolated people that God has slowly gathered back over the last, um, how many years are we? 50, 80, oh, oh wait, do the math, 48, 52 plus 23, 75 years they've been in the land. It's, they will never be expelled from that land. The land. Jerusalem belongs to Yahweh. And he's letting the, the bullies run the show for, for time, but that's going to end. Yahweh, notice in verse 10, he says, Though they've hired among the nations, I will gather them. There was sorrow a little, but the burden of the princes, because of the burden of the princes. This is an interesting thing about Israel. Normally, men hire prostitutes and they pay the prostitutes. The thing about Israel, they were the prostitute and they hired lovers. They flipped it. This is what, how bad off those people were. They were so messed up. Nobody wanted them. God had so isolated them. God had so judged them. The people didn't want anything to do with them anymore. And he made that happen. And so they, in their prostituted heart, they hired others. They hired their lovers. They paid for lovers. It's insane. Let's go to chapter 9. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with Joy like other people's, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall offer wine they shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to him. It shall be like bread of the mourners. All who eat it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their own life. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. What will you do in the appointed day, in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their valuables of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense come. Israel knows. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane because of the greatness of your iniquity and the great enmity. The watchman of Ephraim is with my God, but the prophet is a fowler's snare in all his ways. Enmity is in the house of his God. They, have deeply corrupt, they are deeply corrupted, as in the days of Gibeah. And he will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. And I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree of its first season. But they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves to that shame, they became an abomination like the thing they loved. As for Ephraim, 
Their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will breathe them to the last man. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Just as I saw Ephraim like a tire planted in a pleasant place, and so Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them, O Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal. For there I hated them because of their evil of the evil of their deeds. I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. And all their princes are rebellious. Ephraim is stricken, their root is dried up, there's no they shall bear no fruit. Yes, they shall bear children, but I will kill the darlings in their womb. My God will cast them away because they did not obey him and they shall be wonders among the nations. I mean, I, I read this and I just like, wow, some of it, you just, I can't help but see the parallelisms in our nation. I think we're under, abortion is in actually a judgment of God against our nation. I'm, I think about that for a moment. I will kill the darlings in their womb. That's sad. God is judging our nation for our sins. The sin, you know, it, it pleasure. I don't want this child because I want to continue to in this hedonistic lifestyle of pleasure. Me, self, and I. It's just, and it's, that's what that's where it ends. God's in God's judgment. We see. God's going to judge them, and he judged them like the harlot they were. It's just, this is why God had Hosea marry Gomer, a harlot. I'm going to illustrate this by you marrying one of them. Now you know, Hosea, what I have to put up with, what I have to deal with. And even though they can't see me, the invisible God, the eagle that's going to fly down upon them and take them out, they can see you and your relationship with this harlot that you've married. And hopefully, some of them will get the message. There'll be no wine, no pleasure for you. There'll be no food. There's no satisfaction in living in an idolatrous life. People live for the weekend. Let's party Friday night. Let's party Saturday night. Let's try to get straightened up at least so we can go back to work Monday so we can repeat the thing the next week. It's a pleasure-driven culture that we live in. And the same thing was going on there. Verse 3, they, remove, they will be removed from their land for their idolatry. Okay, you love the world. You don't, you, I took you out of Egypt. I loved you. Then go back. Just go. And God's going to send them back. There's no, going to be no more sacrifice, no more privilege of atonement. They're not going to be able to right the ship. They're not going to be able to repent and turn to God as if they would going to church and offering sacrifice as it were. There's no solutions for their problems. There'll be no feast. There'll be no worship. Egypt will gather them and, they, and Memphis will bury them. That's a city in Egypt. It's nothing but briars and thorns for Israel. It's just painful living when you rebel against God. They know verse 7 they know the day of punishment, the days of 
recompense. Israel knows. You know, when, when this thing all comes down in the great tribulation and all hell breaks loose and the wrath of Satan gets poured out and then the wrath of God at the end of the tribulation, the people are going to know. They're going to know. We intuitively know when we do something wrong that we deserve judgment. It's just there. It's built within us. The prophet is a fool. There's no fear of God. That's the problem. Spiritually minded man is mad. He's insane. Hatred is great because of the abounding sin. And what is, how did Jesus phrase that? Because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Are we not in that state? The guy walk up to a guy who's not even aware and you crown him with a megaphone. I mean, how can some of these crimes be committed against one another? Just, they're demonically induced. I mean, it's terrible. But there's, because this is what happened when, when, a, when sin fills a culture. There's no love. It's cold. Hearts are hard. And the true prophets are at enmity with the people. Do you think, do you think your witness is going to be received, generally speaking? Probably not. Probably not. But you know what? That doesn't mean we don't keep sharing the gospel, right? We just got to keep, keep going forward. You know, it says the prophets are a snare there. You know, that can be taken a couple different ways. Um... It's possible um, that he's referring to the false prophets who are snared to them because he didn't tell them the truth. It led to a trap because they're following lies. But the point is, verse 9, Yahweh is going to punish these men for their corruption. It's just, that's what's coming. And yet, in the middle of this, the Lord remembers, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. You know, you're out, you're on a hike and you know your plants oh those are grapes that's are good to eat that would be really refreshing it's a delight right that's how God felt about Israel they were a delight has great you know figs in their first ripe figs oh is there any there yes they're there when Jesus went on his way into Jerusalem he's looking for the first ripe figs nothing what he expected wasn't there. No delight. Yahweh's always looking. He has this affection. But they turned from him. He wasn't good enough for them. They couldn't see him. So what did they do? Baal, Payor. That's sexual sins. That's what, that's, that's what that idol is all about. They forfeited their glory. Because of their sin and rebellion against God, there's no birth, there's no pregnancy, there's no conception. You're going to lose your children in judgment. That's what's happening in our country. You turn away from God, then you can expect the worst. That's just the way it is. God gave them over to their sins, verse 15, as we read. I will dry them out from the, my house. I'm done. Wow. Depart from me. Oh, that's not what we want to hear. 
all because of the rebellious leaders. And that's the way the chapter ends. They become a castaway. They were stricken, no future, no fruit, no children. They were cast off because of their disobedience, and they're going to wander like Cain aimlessly. Wow. If that doesn't give you compassion for the loss, I don't know what will. I remember in my BC days, on a micro scale of pain and sorrow, i just so thankful that I only had a couple rough years. 24 months is not a long time, but you can do some damage to your psyche in a short time. But to live a life of rebellion against God, and to just never be relieved of your guilt, and to know that when you leave the body and you enter into that, that you're not going to be with God, that is, ooh, I think about it every day. These people, this young man losing his mind, Full, so full of the devil and, and darkness and to build, seek to take someone's life. I mean, that's what happens. The, the enemy comes in. It, you know, you guys remember the song, the album, Bob Dylan wrote, Slow Train Coming? Gotta serve somebody. It may be the Lord. It may be the devil. But you're gonna serve somebody. You can see what happens if you don't serve the right Master, may the Lord lead us in our prayers tonight. Father, show us how to pray for the lost. Show us how to pray for our brothers and sisters that are not walking as they should. And we're not the judge, Lord. And we don't even know who we're praying for, but we know that it's just in the church and it's in every assembly, Lord. We're not above that here. I know that we're here because we care. And we're here to pray, and we're here to turn that tide, Lord, that you'd set a fire in every heart, a zeal and a fervency. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you'd really move in our, our church, in our lives, that we can be a, a bright and burning light in these last days, in these last hours of the church's existence on the planet, Lord. Make us ready for the rapture, Lord. Make us ready for the judgment seat of Christ. We don't want to be ashamed when we appear before you. These are dark things that we've covered tonight, Lord. They're, they're the fruit of the flesh. They're the fruit of satanic strongholds and fruit of rebellion. And it's so grievous, Lord. Keep us far from that, Lord. Don't let the flesh ever take us away from what you have for us, Lord. Keep us on the straight and narrow Protect us from ourselves, Lord. You promised not to put upon us more than we could handle in regards to that. There's no temptation that's common to man, but with every temptation, you'll find a way of escape for us, Lord. We thank you for these promises. Bless us as we pray for Israel tonight, Lord, as we pray for one another, as we pray for our community and our nation, Lord. In Jesus' name.